Could we just praise Jesus again this morning? Amen. Can we give him all the praise, honor, and glory that I tell you he deserves? It is so good to see you here this morning. What an amazing time of worship we have had this morning. And uh, I, I tell you, I just sometimes I just don't even want it to end. I just want to just keep on going, you know, and just uh, I just love the fact that we just have the opportunity each and every week to gather in this place and just lift up our praises to Jesus. And I'll tell you, just hearing the praises coming off of our lips is just, I tell you, it's really amazing to me. And just hearing you sing and hearing the band sing and the worship team just leading us in that place of worship is truly remarkable. Hey, this morning, before we get started, I do want to just say happy Veterans Day uh, and, and thank all of those who have served our country in such an incredible way. Amen. Amen. I know that we have all branches of service represented here today, and just in a way of, of honoring you today, I want to ask that if you have served or if you are currently serving in our armed services, would you just stand today so we could just honor you and the sacrifice that you have made to our country? Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You know, it's, it's an amazing thing serving our country in uh, the ways that so many of our, our, our military does. And, and that is oftentimes being deployed and being away from family, being away from even our country and making the sacrifices that are necessary to keep us safe. And, you know, many of our soldiers never get to come home. And so uh, I know Memorial Day is a day that we usually honor those that have fallen, uh, but uh, you know, Veterans Day is one of those things we shouldn't forget because each and every day we have those that are going out, leaving home, leaving our country, and going out and serving for our freedom. And so we do from the bottom of our heart. I tell you, one of the greatest blessings I think we have as a church is just being in a military town. I think a lot of churches don't get the blessing that we get for being in a town where we have an Air Force base here locally. And so Thank you for your service. Thank you if you're, if you're currently serving for all that you do for our country. Hey, uh, last night, if you weren't here, uh, you missed an incredible night. Uh, amen. We had an incredible night uh, of worship as a passion, uh, passion worship team led us in worship, and Louis Giglio was here to bring the word. And, you know, one of the things that they reminded us of last night, and I was just reminded this morning as Spence and the worship team was leading this morning, is that, you know, uh, we don't... You know, it's amazing to have these guys come in and they're traveling all over the world and they're doing uh, remarkable things for the glory of God and, and, and they inspire us and they, they lift up our spirits and it encourages us. But I'll tell you, what happened last night happens here every Sunday morning, amen? <laughs> happens here every Sunday morning. We are blessed to have those that are gifted in the way of just leading us in worship and, and I'm just so thankful, you know, uh, as we turn to God's word each and every week together, just gathering together and studying God's word. It's remarkable what God continues to do because uh, in, in the, at the end of the day, it's all about what Jesus wants to do in our hearts. Amen. I am thankful for groups like uh, Passion who come in here and we have the opportunity to bring them in here. But I'll tell you, there's nothing more special to me than Sunday morning with you. And so I just want to say that. And I, I tell you, it's, a, it's amazing what God is doing. I do want to say, though, a big thank you, a big shout out to Spence and all the volunteers that helped in such an incredible way. They didn't get out of here last night till after 1 a.m., amen. 
uh, just putting things back together so that we could worship together this morning. And so they came in early. They were the last to leave and the first to be here. And so thank you for them. Um, this morning, we're launching a new series called Seasons. And I'm very excited about this series. It's, it's going to be a short series. It's only three weeks. But I believe it's going to be one of the most relevant series that we have uh, walked through uh, in, in a long time because I believe it's going to affect every single one of us in, in some way. Now, we're calling it Seasons because the reality is, is that uh, as we walk through life, uh, and you may have noticed this if you've lived long enough, uh, if you've lived as long as I have, you certainly have noticed this, but there seems to be those times in our life where we transition from one sort of major chapter in our life, and, and it's obvious that God is moving us to another major chapter, chapter of our life. It doesn't mean that we're necessarily moving away, but things change in life, and as we do, we begin to recognize that for whatever reason, God allowed us to walk through a particular season of our life, and, and now, for whatever reason, God's taking us into another time or another season of our life. And so, that's the purpose of this, uh, this series, is to, to think about those seasons in which God allows us or even uh, pushes us toward in our life so that we can grow and we can learn from these times in our life and we can worship him even in the midst of, of sometimes very difficult situations. Um, in fact, uh, life is going to change. Life changes and sometimes it changes very significantly. I love what the Bible tells us. It says, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. And so, uh, for those of us who have lived long enough, we've maybe gone through several seasons of our life. For some of the younger ones that are here today, maybe you're just recognizing that, that you know, you're, you're sort of transitioning from one season to the next. But the reality is seasons are a part of our life. And so the Bible is very clear about that. And the, the thing about seasons, too, that we need to recognize is that some of those seasons are, man, are, those are just wonderful times in our life. And we see God doing incredible things in our life, and we see God just really moving in ways that, man, the, the praise and the blessings that come from our lips are, are in abundance because we see the blessings that God has given us. And then other times of, those, uh, of our life, those other seasons in our life, it seems as though things have sort of dried up. Sometimes we would say that life has sort of become stagnant, or it's changed in such a way that we we, we see that season of our life as something that is more of a hardship or a time of suffering or a time of confusion or, a, or maybe a time of just uncertainty. And it's usually in those moments that we probably need the most help. When things are good, we're, we're praising Jesus. Things are great. But when things go sort of sour for us, it's in those moments that we often find it very difficult to press on in the midst of the season. And so that's what we want to talk about as we walk through these next three weeks. So not the, not the good seasons, those are the easy ones for us to handle, but the, the harder seasons, the ones that are more difficult for us. And so we're going to be looking at several of these as we sort of press through uh, this series over the next three weeks. And that will lead us right up to December where we will begin to celebrate Christmas at Cross Point. And I'm excited about that as well. But I want to pray for us this morning, and then we're going to dive into the word here together. So let's pray together here this morning. 
Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit of God, Lord, we do thank you for your presence in our life. We thank you, God, for just every remarkable gift that we have in you. Father, I pray that today as we, God, as we just move into a time of of studying your word together, that we would recognize that you are the treasure, that you are the gift. Father, that you are the one that we need to press into. You are the one that we need to lean into uh, as we walk through any season of our life. Father, whether it's good times and blessed times or whether it's times where we wonder what's going on in our life, Father, we recognize that, God, you are sovereign and you are worthy of our praise no matter where we find ourselves. And so, Father, today as we, we open up your word and we begin to process the different seasons in our life, I pray, God, that you would, you would open our minds and you would open our hearts and you would stir our very souls as, as you speak deeply into our hearts, God, and you, you reveal to us the truth that can be so encouraging, the truth that can also be very challenging. And God, I pray that for each and every one of us here today as we, as we dive into your word, that, Father, we would be attentive to what it is that you want to reveal to us today, what it is that you want to teach us today through the reading and the preaching of your word. Father, I thank you for all the the things that are taking place in our life that just bring us to a place of, of rejoicing and happiness and fulfillment. But God, we also recognize that in those moments where there's so much uncertainty and there's maybe a time where we just feel like things have just sort of stalled out, that God, even in those times, we would praise your holy name. Father, we recognize that there is power in the name of Jesus. And because of that, we press into you. We love you. We praise you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This morning, I want to talk on the issue of trusting in God in the midst of the wilderness. Okay? There are times in our life where we move into what we might describe as those wilderness times of our life, and, and as, we, as we dive into God's word here this morning and we start processing what it means to trust God in the wilderness, uh, we, we begin to, to read from God's word and we begin to understand that for most of us here today, there have been times at least once in our life where we have walked through a wilderness season in our life, where we seem to be sort of in that place where we're uh, encountering the unknown. We, we're uncertain about the future. We don't know what it is that God wants us to do. And, and we find that place, that wilderness experience to be one in which we just really long to be removed from. Oftentimes when we find ourselves in the wilderness, all we can think about and many times focus on is, 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 is finding that place of paradise, that place that is going to take us out of the wilderness. And so in those moments in, in our life, those are usually the harder moments to trust in God because we find it to be so boring. We find it to be so overwhelming. We find it to be so hard and and we just want to be removed from that. And oftentimes in that wilderness experience, that, that time, that season in our life, this chapter of our life that God himself is writing for us, we, we often miss the blessing that God wants us to discover in the midst of that wilderness. 
And so that's what this message today is about. And, and I'm very excited about it as we dive into this. We're going to be looking at Exodus chapter 13. We're going to the Old Testament today. And Exodus is the second book of the Bible right after Genesis. And so go ahead and turn there with me. I want to invite you there as we begin to, to dive into this passage today. We're going to look at two verses, verses 17 and 18 of Exodus chapter 13. Now, before I dive into this text, I want us to revisit a little bit of Israel's history because it's important, especially as we move into uh, the Old Testament, that we offer a little background or uh, try to understand the context of what we are about to read. But as we, as we dive into this text, we begin to realize, and many of you know this, that Israel had been enslaved to Egypt for over 400 years. And so Israel had found themselves in a place of bondage. And you might think that, that certainly, certainly that was a, a place of, of wilderness, but, but quite honestly, as, as Israel began to discover the true wilderness, they began to long for slavery. And so, what, and I'm kind of getting ahead of myself here, but, but the reality is Israel had been enslaved for over 400 years. And they began to cry out to God because uh, who, who likes being in bondage? And so they're, they're crying out to God, and, and God hears their cries. And so we, we begin to see this unfold in the story of Israel. And as we read through their life, we begin to see that it's God who raises up Moses to lead his people out of, out of Egypt and into the promised land. They've been promised this, this place that would be their own. And so in this, they are crying out to him, and God raises up Moses. And after a little bit of pushback from Moses himself, certainly thinking he was not the guy that was qualified for the job, he eventually is convinced that, no, he's the one who's going to lead uh, the people of Israel out of Egypt. And so as he begins to talk to Pharaoh about this, we begin to see the heart of Pharaoh harden. I mean, after all, what Moses is talking about is removing, removing the servants of Egypt out and just taking them out. And so they were certainly benefit from benefiting from Israel being there serving them. And so his heart begins to harden and he tells Moses, no, there's no way you're gonna take Israel out of Egypt. And so God, what God does next is send the plagues that we read about in the Old Testament. In fact, there's 10 of these plagues. And during this time, Egypt begins to fall under tremendous hardship and suffering. They begin to experience really the wrath of God. And it's in this moment that, that Pharaoh eventually relents to, to the will of God. And he, he finally tells Moses, not only are you free to go, but please get out. I mean, they're just had about all that they can take. And then God institutes the Passover. And it's right after that that we begin to see the people of Israel leave Egypt. After 400 years of bondage, they are beginning to head out. And so that's the background. This is, the, this is what's happened just before the text that we're about to look at here this morning. So look at this with me, Exodus chapter 13, verse 17 and 18, and it says this. It says, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, Least the people change their mind when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea, and the people of Israel, they went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. 
You know, being in a season of waiting can often be one of the hardest things that we have to endure. Uh, it, it's in this season of, of wilderness that, that most of us uh, really struggle with because it's in the, the wilderness that we find ourselves being so uncertain about so much in life. And in the wilderness, there is certainly hardship that come along with that. And so here we have Israel who has been sent out. They, they've been released from Egypt and they're going out. And what we know is that they enter into the desert. They go into the wilderness. They're, they're leaving what they know as modern civilization. And they're going out into the wilderness. And, and we begin to see a, a new season for Israel. You know, like I said already, our seasons can often be times where we are filled with joy and things are going really good for us, and, and we, we find ourselves being blessed beyond measure, and, and in those moments, we rejoice in that season of our life, and, and, and it's in those moments that we also hope and pray that it never ends. I mean, we, we all like to sort of ride the wave that God has us in when, when the blessings are just abundant in our life, and, and we find ourselves rejoicing in those moments, but sometimes things change. And sometimes we find our life is no longer in the place of abundance and blessing, but we, rather we find ourselves in a place where maybe it's painful or maybe it's hard or maybe it's a place of suffering or maybe it's a place where everything in our mind is cloudy. We begin to question those times. We begin to, to wonder. We begin to ask questions. What are we doing here? What are we going to do about this? We begin to ask the questions, where are we going? What is wrong with us? We begin to ask all these questions because we find ourselves in this place that we are not very comfortable with. And as we find ourselves there, we, we begin to immediately, and I think it's just human uh, instinct, that we try to fix the situation in which we find ourselves not yet realizing that we have entered into a new season of life and not yet fully understanding the purpose of that season. And we begin to ask these questions and we begin to wonder why it is that suddenly we feel so discontent, why it is that we feel so uh, just discontent with, with our surroundings, our situations, and, and our life. And so oftentimes in the wilderness, it seems as though there's no end. And you know, the thing about a wilderness is it's, it's a time of longevity as well. It's a time that lasts for a while. That's the thing about being in the wilderness. If it was just something that happened today and it was over tomorrow, we might just could label that as a circumstance or a situation, a bad day or a bad week. But a wilderness experience seems to just go on and on and on and on. And I know because I talked to so many of you, there, there are often times where, where there are those of you who come to me for counsel and they say, I've been praying and I've been on my knees and it's been going on for years and years and years and I just don't know what the answer is. You're in the wilderness. You're in the wilderness and it doesn't feel good. And we can't understand it. And we wonder why. And it's in that moment that we have to somehow figure out how to trust God in the wilderness. So how do we navigate through life's most difficult seasons? How do we navigate through 
the wilderness? How do we understand what we should understand in the midst of this? How do we trust God in the wilderness? And I believe that's the big question that we have to ask ourselves here this morning because like I said, if you haven't been through that, maybe some of you today are going through that. Maybe some of you are in that wilderness right now. But if you haven't, I can assure you those moments are coming. They always do. It's funny how those of us who are older, like myself, are, are nodding, yes, oh, they certainly will, you know, and it, it's called experience with life, right? And I mean, we've lived long enough to have our ups and have our downs, and some of those downs are tremendously low points of our life. So if you haven't countered your wilderness experience, then count yourself blessed, but be prepared, because it most certainly may come. And so how do we transition? How do we, how do we deal with these transitions of life? When we look at Israel in this text, we begin to, and we study this wilderness experience that they, that they had, we, we begin to realize that they were in the wilderness for 40 years. That's a long time. That's, that's a, a large part of our life, isn't it? And so for 40 years, Israel was wandering through the desert. They were wandering in this wilderness, and it was never easy. In fact, every day just seemed like the last day, and they were, they were living off of the blessing of God as he provided manna for them to eat and even quail at times. And so he, he's providing them water in the desert, but I mean, literally for 40 years, things are just sort of uh, not changing. And what we see in the scripture, as we read and study the story of Israel, we see that they weren't real happy about that. In fact, we see where after quite a long time of, of living in these conditions, they begin to sort of push back on this experience. They are, they are fed up with being in the wilderness, and, and, and they are ready for this, this time, this season in their life to end. And we begin to see this as we read through the scriptures if we take you forward to the book of Numbers, we get to a place where we begin to see that as hardships came on, we begin to see Israel's attitude really begin to change, and we begin to see things in them as they sort of had this ebb and flow. One moment they're trusting God, one moment they're sort of complaining about things. And, and we begin to see as we read the stories that, that oftentimes Israel failed to uh, to really trust the leadership that God had placed before them. In fact, they often complained about the leadership. And in, in Numbers 14, verses 1 and 2, it says this, Then all the congregation, congregation raised a loud cry, and people wept at night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. Who was it that God called out to lead his people? He called Moses. But who were the people grumbling against? They were grumbling against Moses. If we read the next verse, we see that it got worse. Because not only were they sort of dissatisfied with their leadership, they began to question God. We see in verse three where it says, why is the Lord, they are asking this question. Here's where Israel is asking this question. Why is it the Lord is bringing us into this land so that we may fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become prey. Would it not be better for us if we just go back to Israel? Do you see what they're saying here? They're saying, why has God done this to us? Why is it that God has brought us into this desert? Why is it that God is not rescuing us? You can see and you can sense the, 
the, the sort of hostility that's rising up in their heart, so much so that they begin to say, you know what, slavery would be better. They get to a point in their life where they say, you know what, I don't like this. I want this to change. This part of my life is not something, and I would welcome going back into bondage because things were better there. You can see how desperate they are. And so they begin to grumble and complain. They begin to, to even question God. And then we see where, uh, as we look at this, that they thought the wilderness was so bad that they were even willing to go backwards, back into this bondage. In Numbers 14, verse 4, it says, And they said to one another, Let us choose a leader, another leader that will take us back to Egypt. What these passages teach us is that the wilderness is, is never easy. It's never, it's never an easy road. It's always a hard road, these, these wildernesses. And yet, somehow, some way, when we find ourselves in the midst of a wilderness experience in our own life, we have to somehow figure out how to trust God in the midst of all of that. So how do we do it? Well, I believe that one of the things that we must realize is this, is that God doesn't always take us down the easiest route. God doesn't always, you know, the, the reality is as a believer in Christ Jesus, that, that, that doesn't guarantee us a happy life for the rest of our life. What it what it guarantees us is redemption through the blood of Jesus. What it guarantees us is that we can spend an eternity with a holy and righteous God. Jesus didn't come to necessarily make us happy. He came to make us holy. And we have to realize that. And sometimes God chooses to take us down a road that may not be the easiest road in our life. And we see that in this passage. If we go back to our text and we look at this, we begin to see something really amazing here in verse 17. It says in verse 17, when Pharaoh let the people go, I want you to look at these words now. It says, God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. You see that? God didn't take them down the easy road. He didn't take them down easy street, did he? He took them down a, a different road, a, a road of, of hardship. But, and, and one of the things that we have to realize here is that, that the wilderness was God's idea. There was something that he wanted to teach them in the midst of that wilderness. There was something that he was wanting them to learn. There was something that he was wanting to equip them for as they continued to live out their life as the people of God. We read in verse 18 where it says this, but God led the people around by the way of the wilderness. And so God is taking the people. You know, one of the attributes of God, and this becomes very important for us as we think about this, but one of the attributes of God that we must never forget is that God is omniscient. In other words, he knows everything past, present, and future. We do not. We do not. And that's why it becomes so important for us to celebrate and praise God with our lips, to worship a holy and righteous God each and every day of our life and not just worship God 
on the days that are good and curse him on the days that are bad or question him, but instead to give praise and honor and worship to a holy God, knowing that he is omniscient, knowing that he knows everything about our past, about our present, and even everything about our future. And we may not have the answer to why the wilderness. We may not have the answer of why it is that he's taking us into the wilderness. We just have to trust God that it's the right way, it's the good way, and it's the best way for us. Earlier we were singing in one of the songs that he offers to us a better way. Do we believe that? Do we truly believe that? Or is it just part of our morning worship as we just sing the lyrics? I mean, do we truly believe that God knows all things? Do we truly believe that he knows what's best for us? And despite any season in our life that may seem difficult, God knows what's best. It seems in today's culture, too many are longing for the shortcut. It seems these days in our culture that that too many of us are looking for the, the best route, the easy route. We don't embrace the wilderness when we find ourselves in the midst of it. I'm not saying that we should like it. I'm just saying that we need to embrace it because it could be that this is the path that God has chosen for us. But here's the thing about a season. Seasons will end and new ones will begin. And we know that. We trust in that. And we believe in that. Now here's the question, but why is it? Why is it that God would even take us into the wilderness? And I think that's another question that we have to ask ourselves as well. In verse 17 and 18, we read where Pharaoh let the people go. God did not lead them by the way of the Philistines, although that was near or easy. But look at what it says. For God said, lest the people change their mind when they see war. Look at verse 18. But they left Egypt equipped for battle. Here's what God knew about the people of Israel. They would easily want to return back into a place of bondage when he was wanting to set them free. If they went to a place that was easy. You see, what's really remarkable about this story is that God was equipping them. He was preparing them for life's hardships that they would face in the future. As far as they knew, everything that lay before them was, was gonna be a blessing. They had just been released and allowed to leave Egypt. They, they had just experienced freedom in their life, and for all they knew, the rest of life would be a gravy train, and so as they leave, as they head out, they don't know what's waiting for them, but what's waiting for them are battle after battle after battle, and so one of God's ways of preparing his people for these battles is to send them into the wilderness, and we can question why that's necessary all day long, but this is the route that God chose for his people, to take them into a place, a place that would prepare them so that when they saw war, when they saw the battle that lay before them, they wouldn't turn, tuck tail, and run, but they would face head on the battle that's before them, knowing that they can trust in God and that they are dependent on God in all things. That's why he sends them in there. 
And as we walk through our own wilderness experiences, we have to know that as God is planning out, as he's looking forward in our life, he's going to allow us to walk through difficult times. He's going to allow us to experience difficult times. He's going to maybe even take us into a place of wilderness, but all for what he wants to do in our life later. And so here we see where God had a purpose for the wilderness. For Israel, it's to build up courage. It was to empower them to, to be brave in the face of battle. For Israel, it was about what he wanted to do to prepare them for the war that they would face as they continued to march forward. But what about you this morning? What is God preparing you for? We can only guess, right? We can only assume what God may be preparing us for. But here's what we know. Reading through the scripture and looking at the story of Israel and then even looking at many other stories that are waiting for us in the scriptures in the truth of God's word, we know that God is sovereign. We know that God is purposeful. We know that God is intentional. And we know that he is faithful. And we know that we can trust him. And so in the midst of those wilderness seasons of our life, we must trust him. And it's not always easy. This week, uh, myself and, and Pastor Michael and Pastor Ross were down in the Dominican Republic. We were down there doing some logistical work for some mission teams and trips that we're going to be doing this spring and this summer and sort of getting everything in place. And as, as we were down there, uh, we were hanging out with a, a group of people, that, uh, a ministry there called Pathway Dominica. I love that term, Pathway. We talk a lot about the discipleship pathway here, and, and that's exactly what they mean by that word as well. But, but I think it's also kind of neat that we're talking about a pathway as we think about the path in which God has chosen for us, even if it means sometimes going into the wilderness. And while we were down there, one of the, 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 the people down there had on a t-shirt, and on the back of the t-shirt, it said something really remarkable. It says, there are never any victories if there's not a battle. There are never any victories if there's not a battle. Think about that for just a moment. Here's the thing that we celebrate in our life as believers and followers of Christ Jesus. We did it last night in a night of worship. We do it here quite, quite often as well. We celebrate the victory that we have in Jesus. In fact, let's just give him praise this morning. How many of you believe that we have victory in Jesus? We have victory in Jesus. We do. And you see how good that makes us feel to proclaim the victory that we have in Jesus. We like the victory that we have in Jesus. We like how God takes us into these times in our life where we can recognize the victory that we have in Jesus. But oftentimes what we don't realize is that we must go to battle before there can be a victory. And it's in the midst of those wilderness experiences in our life that we are, we are at war. We're raging against the flesh and we're raging against an enemy who wants to destroy us. And it's in those moments that God is teaching us, if nothing more than just to simply rely on him and trust him. And it's in those moments 
those battles that we face and we fight, that it makes us stronger and it teaches us about the importance of having a reliance in a holy and righteous God who is much greater than any of our own efforts. In fact, I don't know about you, but for me, I can't get through this life without him. Can I just tell you, I've tried that and it didn't work out so well. It just didn't. I thought I was smart enough. I thought I was strong enough. I just couldn't do it without him. And it's in those wilderness experiences that God allows us to go through that that becomes very aware to us as God's people. There are no victories in your life if there haven't been some battles. Last night uh, during our worship time, the Passion worship team reminded us of a story. And I thought, oh great, here goes, because I'm, I'm using that tomorrow myself. And I, was just, I didn't know where they were gonna go with it, but they, they didn't go where I wanna finish up with it anyway. So, But they reminded us of this story that's probably well known to many of us here today. And it's the story of, of when Jesus came to town and, and he's teaching some some religious people and the crowds begin to gather because, because everybody had heard what Jesus was doing. He was, he was healing and he was forgiving people of their sin. I mean, it was a remarkable day in their life. But the story goes on when, when these four men brought a friend to see Jesus. And this friend was a paralytic. He was paralyzed. He couldn't walk. He was on, in fact, they had to carry him on a mat. And so they, they get there to the house to, 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 to just allow Jesus to heal this man, to, to touch this man. And as they approach, they realize the crowd is too great. And they, can't, they can't even get to him. They, I mean, Jesus is just swarmed by the crowd. And so these men, they go up on a rooftop. They go up on the house in which Jesus is, is teaching. And they remove the tiles of the, of the house. And they, they lower their friend down on the mat. And what we see is really remarkable because what happens is Jesus, he says to this man, because of your faith, I forgive you of your sins. Now, this brought up a little bit of controversy because some of the religious leaders that were sort of in opposition of Jesus said, how can you forgive? Only God can forgive a man of his sins. And then he says to them, he says, well, which would be harder for me to forgive him of his sins or for him to get up and walk? Everybody in the village knew that this man couldn't walk. And so Jesus instructs this man, he says, get up off your mat. In fact, take your mat and go home. And the man stands. And we see one of the greatest victories in this man's life. We've heard that story so many times. I've preached from it. I've heard it, I don't know, hundreds of times. I've read it hundreds of times. But here's what we often miss about the story. We see the victory that this man had in Jesus. But we don't think about the wilderness that came before Jesus. Think about this man before this encounter with God, before this victory in Christ Jesus. In fact, it's not recorded in the scripture. We can only imagine, but... But as I think about this man, and he wasn't a boy. The scriptures describe him as a grown man. He's a man, and so here he is, a man. But he has lived his entire life on a mat. 
Think about how this man felt when he saw everybody walking by him every single day. The, the, the self-pity that maybe he experienced. Maybe the, the, just the, the humility and the shame that he, he had for, for not being, the, the comparisons that he made against other people. Man, they've got it so good, but look at me. I'm on this mat. I can't walk. Think about the reality that for so long in his life, he couldn't provide for his family, which means he probably was a beggar begging for money and food because he couldn't go anywhere. He couldn't work for a living. You see, this man spent most of his life in the wilderness. He spent most of his life fighting the battles of being unable to cope with life. There's no doubt in my mind that this man probably experienced some of the darkest days of his life on a mat. What we see in this man's life is the victory that he has in Jesus, but we cannot have victory in Jesus if there wasn't a battle that has been fought before the victory. And so this morning, my prayer for us as we think about this story, as we look back at Israel and just sort of imagine what it must be like to walk through this situation, this situation of hopelessness and discouragement, to live out years in our life maybe, where there just seems to be no end to our problems. We look at these stories. We look at a man on a mat. And I can only imagine that as he sat there day after day, year after year, he probably thought there would be no other way of life than what he was experiencing. That was until Jesus came to town. That was until Jesus came to town. Maybe for some of you here this morning, you're in the midst of the greatest battle of your life. Maybe for some of you here today, you've been walking through the driest spell that you've ever encountered. Maybe for some of you here today, there's just a sense of hopelessness. And you hear the preacher talk, and you see Spence leading us in worship, and you wonder, why can't that be me? Why can't I experience Jesus in those ways? And you begin to compare yourself to everyone else, and you begin to wonder if this season in your life will ever change, because it hurts so badly and it feels so wrong and it doesn't feel like Jesus and you feel as though life is really hopeless for you but Jesus has come to town Jesus is in this place and there's no crowd stopping you from approaching the throne of God this morning.
There's no crowd stopping you. Jesus wants to do a miracle in your life this morning. Jesus is waiting to do a work in your life this morning. Rejoice in Jesus. Trust in Jesus. Believe in Jesus. Even if you're in a wilderness, for those of us who may not be in that place, let us recognize that there are people who are. And in the midst of our celebration for how great Jesus is in our life, let us be aware of the hurt and the pain that exists all around us as we minister and as we pour into. Let us be the voice for Jesus to say there is hope and Jesus is your hope. Let us, every one of us, learn to trust God in the wilderness.